Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. On this episode, we have a brand new post-free agency mock draft Monday for you. So many team needs have changed over the last week. So many quarterbacks going to different spots, wide receivers on the move, franchises changing faces, and man, it's all coming down to some brand new team needs we have throughout the NFL. This mock draft is the first one where we really get to solidify what we believe could happen on night one of the NFL draft. I am Trevor Sikama. With me is Connor Rogers. Let's get after it. bell of the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. I am Trevor Sigma. That is Connor Rogers on a beautiful Monday morning, which means it is a mock draft Monday episode of the podcast. Super excited that you guys are here with us because it is post-free agency. Well, free agency is not entirely over, Connor, but at least we have a lot of the big splashes, which have changed a ton of team needs. And this mock draft right here is probably going to be the mock draft that we see the most shaking up with team priorities that we're going to see for the rest of the draft process, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think free agency kind of paints a better picture for you, what you're looking at with teams going into the draft. And I think that, you know, this is fun. This is our, we've let a whole week of free agency go by. We've had that whirlwind and now we have the full reaction here. And, and you and I, when we were done making this, it took, you know, it took us a while. We looked at it. We're like, okay, it's, 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 it's like longer than the show when we make the draft. It's <laughs> more sure. of unfortunately uh, correct, but yes, it, it's more of like, okay, this isn't wildly different, but everybody has, a lot of people have new homes, and then there's some surprises in here that Trevor and I are hearing buzz on, we think can happen, and most notably for everybody listening, this is what Trevor and I think will happen, not what him or I would do. So there might be a player that goes in the top 10 uh, that's not in our top 20, and that is more of we are going inside the lens of what these teams are trying to walk out with at the end of April. This is when prediction mock drafts get real. Right. Because up until this point, we can sit here and we can talk about team needs and we can talk about what holes we believe are going to be on their roster when it comes to draft weekend. But honestly, until free agency runs its course, at least that first week, we just don't know. There's too many projections of what might happen. Shoot. Some guys might go out and make big splash signings that we never even saw coming. Right. And I think that's what goes into a lot of the team needs. And that's why it took me and you so long to actually make this mock draft that we are going to reveal right now. I'm going to have the odd numbers. Connor is going to have the evens as we have done a lot throughout this process. And it's just going to be a little back and forth. We're going to go down through every team picking in the first round, give you a brand new post free agency mock draft. Before I get to it though, you guys are going to hear us reference a lot of things that PFF has exclusively over at PFF.com. Some premium stats, some snap alignments, some grades, the draft guide. And if you want access to all that, now is a great time to get it. Go over to pre-pff.com, get a subscription, and get 25% off using the promo code NFLSE. That's 25% off any type of subscription. The cheaper edge model, the more premium elite model, college model, whatever it is, whatever you're into, go check it out. If you don't have a subscription, 25% off NFLSE. So, God, I guess I'll start out. I got the Please. odds. So I've got the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll get this thing kicked off right away because we know it's probably going to be a lengthy podcast. Mock drafts always are. Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, with the amount of attention it felt like they gave the offensive line in free agency, signing Brandon Scherf, giving the franchise tag to Cam Robinson, talking about having Walker Little, having Juwan Taylor still on the roster, and 
you know, Trent Baalke getting up there mid free agency, talking about how comfortable they were with a lot of the offensive linemen that they have there. It makes me think that they really are honing in on the other side of the ball. It was either offensive tackle or edge rusher for the Jags. I think we're leaning firmly edge rusher as it is right now. And I think that that's going to be Aiden Hutchinson. I think the Michigan Wolverine is going to be the top pick in the draft. All signs are pointing that way from Jacksonville. And so even though it's a little bit boring, this one isn't changing at the top. I got to stick with it being a prediction mock. I think this is going to happen. I'm with you. You want to be right. You don't want to be overly creative and be wrong. And I think what I find interesting, Trevor, is the more people I talk to in the NFL, the that Hutchinson is almost the, you know, obviously Kyle Hamilton to its safety, but that's different because he plays safety. Hutchinson is this consensus guy like and and I don't agree you you don't agree we had Thibodeau uh, Thibodeau obviously number one on our edge rankings but the NFL the more people I talk to everybody has Hutchinson as the number one edge pass rusher and as the guy they would draft they love the floor and when you look at it and in that regard the position he plays that overall consensus opinion what Jacksonville did in free agency in the franchise tag period I agree that this will probably be the pick as we sit here today, um, which moves on to the Lions in a very interesting spot at number two, because we know if Hutchinson was at number two, they would sprint that card in. That would be the pick. It obviously makes a ton of sense. They're an interesting predicament. And for me here, I I lean Kyle Hamilton for them. Now, I I don't know. It's tough for me to draft a safety in the top three like this. And I don't think Hamilton is, you know, Ed Reed, Sean Taylor, right? So, but looking at the Lions, I don't think they're going to go offensive line. We know how much they've invested in that recently over the years. I do think they're looking at the defense. Yes, there is the Malik Willis wild card in here. I'm not there yet for them taking him at number two. I think there's a lot of smoke around that right now. I'm not buying into that yet. And I think the Lions have shown you they just want really high caliber players that they adopt. They, you know, inherited such a weak roster that they feel in these first two-year phase, they are going to draft who they think is the best guy on the board. And I think, Trevor, in this situation with Hutchinson gone, which is going to break their heart a little bit, they're going to look at Kyle Hamilton and go, we like that we can move you around. You can play on the back end. You can play too high. We think we can use you in the slot. We think you can help our front seven out a lot underneath and play in the box and blitz from the line of scrimmage and do a lot of different things and start to turn over what this franchise looks like from a leadership standpoint and a talent standpoint. So this is not an easy pick, but I think it would be Hamilton here at two. I I think the draft, you know, obviously we've got to have a pick here. We're not getting too spicy with all the trades because I think it could waterfall, but avalanche even if you will. But I really do think that if Hutchinson's off the board at number one, their lines are open and the lions are going to take all 15 minutes to see what trades they could possibly get to move back down. Because I think there's a handful of players they like, but I do think that Kyle Hamilton absolutely is one of them. And I think that you're right. Dan Campbell, Brad Holmes, that front office, the guys who are making the picks, they just want good football players and guys that they could believe in. And they know it's, they're still in a multi-year rebuild here. It's not like they're one piece away. So they're just trying to get as many really good football players as they can. Kyle Hamilton, Damn good football player. Houston Texans up at number three. No longer have Deshaun Watson on the roster. Connor and I talked about that uh, last week and 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 we kind of the speculation of it before the trade went down, but the trade does go down. Houston Texans get three first round picks, a third round pick, and a fifth round pick. Actually flopping, uh, sw- swapping fourth round picks and fifth round picks, but essentially three first round picks for Deshaun Watson from the Cleveland Browns. So this is one of two first round picks that they're going to have, not just in this draft, but in each of the next two that follow as well. So a lot of firepower 
lot of firepower for the Houston Texans. I don't think they use it on a quarterback. Not this year. I don't think it's an immediate one-for-one trade-off losing Deshaun and then drafting another guy. I don't think they love this quarterback class. I don't think a lot of teams in the NFL do. Malik Willis still on the board. And as Connor mentioned, you know, you, you'll hear talk of him maybe going to the top five. Shoot, maybe it happens when it's all said and done. But I don't think it would happen in Houston because I do think they like what they saw at Davis Mills last year with the limited resources that were really there to help him. There was rumors that Laramie Tunsil was going to be on the move, especially if they traded to Sean Watson. Did they want to have his contract on the books while they probably weren't winning that many games? Instead of trading him, they restructure him. And so it makes it a little more feasible for him to just be around in the long term. So I don't think they're moving on from him, which means I don't think they're going to think it's got to be offensive tackle here at number three. I think they give themselves a lot of flexibility, especially with two first-round picks to take best player available as again, a team that is rebuilding and in a multi-year rebuild now without a franchise quarterback entrenched on the roster. So I'm going to go with Trayvon Walker, the defensive lineman. I'll call him a defensive lineman. He could be an interior guy. He could be an edge guy, probably mostly an edge guy, but somebody who I just think the Texans brass is going to love insanely talented player. Now, as Connor and I have mentioned many times before the pass rush profile isn't there for him yet but that doesn't mean that it can't be and shoot man you just watch i don't know if you happen to catch this at uh, on, on the pro day circuit with george's pro day and everybody was marveling at jordan davis and there was a drill where jordan davis was kind of going inside and out with 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 some of the bags that were there and he was just kind of showing off how smooth he was for a massive man six foot six 340 pounds and at the end of the video there's just like a little snippet and trayvon walker is after him Trayvon Walker gets down in his stance and he just blows out of his stance into top speed. And it's like, that wasn't even the point of the video, but I remember watching that video and thinking, holy shit, like that, the, the fact that yeah. that guy could explode that fast, it just tells you how athletic Trayvon Walker is. And for a team like the Texans, they've got the time to develop this dude into hopefully what they believe one of the best defensive linemen in the NFL. And so super high ceiling with Trayvon Walker. It's not there yet, but the Texans got time. So I'm going with him at number three. I don't think it's crazy at all. I've told you this before. I don't know if I've said it on the show. I look at what the Texans are trying to do, which is hard to figure out, right? Because we haven't seen a lot of action from them to actually build a competitive football team yet. Mm -hmm. And now with the Watson package of picks that they have, you're going to see Casario start to mold what he wants his team to look like. Knowing how long he was in New England, which I believe started in 2001, in a lot of different roles, assistant coaching roles, personnel roles, director roles, obviously all the way up to essentially being their GM. Um, I look at the Trayvon Walker pick at three and think back to Richard Seymour with New England for a long time, a gigantic, strong, athletic dude that can handle different roles on your defensive line that is going to shut down the run and set an attitude up front and maybe you tap into him being a high-end pass rusher down the road and, and you know obviously Seymour um, was never this double-digit sack guy but he was somebody that absolutely can push the pocket and impact the quarterback as well so when I see that pick at three for the Texans and people think it's insane I try to go inside the mind of what Casario has been around and, and that's the comparable that comes to my mind. So I don't think I don't think that's nuts at all. And it leaves the Jets, the New York Jets at number four in such a fascinating spot because now mm. who I believe would be their top offensive player in this draft. You know, obviously Hutchinson's not making it to them in this scenario. Hamilton and Walker are gone, although I don't think they would take either of those guys. That would be interesting. 
Iki Aquanu, I, I believe, is their top offensive player. He's on the board. And a lot of Jets fans do not react well when you make this pick. But once again, this is what we think will happen. This is not necessarily what we would do. Although I would also make this pick. Let me make that clear. Mm. I'm going Nikki Aquanu at four for the okay. New York Jets. And, and Trevor, you said it perfectly when we do the... It's almost like we should record when you and I make the mock draft. The conversations that Trevor and I have, we, some of it, we, not meant got, for the public. We've got to get better at not doing the pod before the pod on mock draft episodes. We'll, but we, it we, is we really helpful. It, we walk through and talk through scenarios for every roster, every team. Uh, it's very helpful to me. And... I look at this, and you you ask the perfect question. You go, okay, cool. You got Aki Aquanu, right? A top player in the draft for the Jets. That's all well and great. What are you doing there? And, and in which I replied to Trevor, the return would have to be right, or else I think they would drag it out. But I think the guy they would look to move is Mackay Becton. I do. And this isn't me reporting anything. This isn't sourced info. This is just putting all the puzzle pieces together, knowing how much they love George Fan and have publicly committed to George Fan as their left tackle I look at that and go, you know, obviously Becton was hurt last year. That's not his fault. But some of the questions that the staff at public, these are things that are public. They're impressors. This is an inside info. It's all right there for you. Mm. The lack of confidence that they have showed him at times has to make him the questionable guy to continue on as the reliable presence. And I think that that being Joe Douglas's first first round pick, a top 15 guy, I think he would have to save face and get something substantial back for him in the top 50 or some kind of conditional pick. Uh, but I am of the belief that the Jets would not pass on Iki Iquanu at number four overall. I just put Makai back in the center. It's easy. <laughs> Could you imagine <laughs> a, a center that big? Or just they just always run jumbo. They're always a six-man line. Always. Yes! Yes! They're always a six-man line. That beef, would be unbelievable. Baby. Bring in the Unbelievable. Beef. Dude, uh, look, you know, like I've, I've talked with Jets fans before. Some of you guys want a more powerful running back to compliment Michael Carter. Uh, Mackay Becton's right there. Just hand him the ball. Just he did him. score a touchdown in college. Uh, this is right there for you. You know, people people talk about Debo Samuel, wide receiver, running back hybrid being the next and evolution of I would like to think that offensive tackle slash running back is the next evolution that we're talking about in the NFL. No, I, I think that obviously kind of what you're talking about is it's a, uh, I have not heard just from you that yeah, the Jets, right? uh, yeah, that the Jets really like Iki Aquanu. And what's not to like, what's not to love. They know their roster. Like the, like the people who, who are talking about this, they get it. They see what's on paper. And so I don't really know what happens after this. Shoot, like you said, like if they, and maybe, maybe even if they would entertain a trade from Kai Beckton, maybe they don't get the right offer and they just kind of figure it out. They, they figure out who needs to go where and, and they see what oh. happens in that. But there's no yes. doubt about it. I've heard a lot that the Jets simply love Iggy Aquano. And I think that that's a fact at this point. I, it, yes, absolutely. And it, you know, these things work themselves out. I think a lot of people, and I'll be fair here. I won't just, you know, if it's not a Quanu, I think they love Jermaine Johnson as well. They know they need pass rush help. I'm not going to get away from that. There's no doubt. I understand the fans that are like, why would you take a six lineman when you don't have a, a reliable edge across from Lawson? You know, these are all things that are going to work themselves out. But the, as we sit here today, this is what I believe would happen in this scenario at number four. New York Giants. That's the point of the show. Right, right. It is. We're trying to. We're trying to give you. I got to lie to you. Right, right. We, us, lie to the people. 
the sex never. addicts we could never um so number number five we got the new york giants we're staying in the trenches here evan neal has been a player the offensive tackle from alabama who has been mocked at number one overall multiple times i think he's down a little bit just given certain circumstances and i think he would be perfect for the new york giants because the new york giants they have andrew thomas he played a lot better last year which is great to see they made a couple additions in free agency to the interior offensive line but that right side with nate solder i think is still something that they definitely need to figure out and evan neal for as much as people are going to watch his tape from the past year and see him at left tackle he has played multiple spots along the offensive line he has played right tackle before he has played right guard before so this is a very versatile offensive lineman who He's not this blow-you-away kind of perfect prospect, but he does have really good all-around game, and I think he would be a great tackle pairing with Andrew Thomas, who hopefully is only getting better and better, and then you got Evan Neal on the other side. I I think that's a really great start for the New York Giants doing what they need to do to figure out whether Daniel Jones is their guy or whoever else they get in quarterback behind behind that that O-line either this year or next year. I think that that's probably the way they need to go, especially given the fact that they're picking in two spots after this too. So I'm going to go Evan Neal here at number five. Man, I think that's a dream scenario for the New York Giants and not one you have to overthink. I think the Giants are sitting there at five praying that one of Bequanu or Neal makes it to them. And, and there's and, a good chance at this point. I think there's a chance. Yeah, for sure. I think there absolutely is a chance of the way the cards have started to fall, the way you see this mock play out. Um, and that is a home run for the Giants, and, and they would not overthink that one. Number six. All right, let's get interesting. Let's get a little interesting here. A, a pretty chalky top five. Which, once again, we're trying to be right. We're not trying to, you know, make a mock draft that everybody tweets at and says, you know, screw you, I hate you, you're wrong. <laughs> I mean, so, they'll do that anyways. So yes. we might, well, we might you, as well try to be right. Cause here you go. Right. You could do it right here. Number six, the Carolina Panthers, Malik Willis. All right. Um, I, I just, I look at this Trevor and go, they got to figure it out at this spot or else they're out of time. Mm-hmm. And, and that's Matt Rule. And I, David Tepper after buying this team is probably at the frustration point, right? And, you know, they didn't land Deshaun Watson. We know how long they were connected to Deshaun Watson. The Sam Darnold trade, I call it what it is, it's an absolute failure. Uh, yep. He was not good last year, and you're stuck with the fifth-year option money. It is, it's spilled milk. There's no crying over it. It just it, You're stuck with it. It is what it is. Find a new solution. Go get a new gallon of milk. Like, with Malik Willis... <laughs> I, I like thing- that analogy. It is great. You go back to the store and you try to figure it out again. Hey, go right? get another gallon of milk, baby. So Malik Willis, at least there are top tier traits there. He's going into a situation where, while yes, the options in front of him are not great, he does not have to play right away. He's not the only guy. Darnold's going to be back for another year. He can start. I just think Carolina needs to take a swing. And yes, I would love to see Charles Cross here. Uh, you know, I would love to see them add to town, add to the town of the roster that's non-quarterback related. But this is the what we think they'll do mock draft. And when there are jobs on the line, mm-hmm. you need to do something to try to save it, even mm-hmm. if the risk is significantly high. But that's why the reward is significantly high. I feel like there's a chance Malik Willis goes at six. Trevor also gives them the whole, okay, you took him. He doesn't need to be your hero year one right away we're not going to fire you just because he wasn't a savior right away you're going to sell the two-year plan of developing malik willis and now we're back on track at the most important spot for our roster yeah because you know for as much as as much as we all think that it's more likely than not that matt rule is probably not the coach in carolina a year from now it's it's not like carolina 
wants that right like they they want him to work out they would rather not fire him with that massive contract still they would rather not have to change coaching staffs again you know like they they want this to work out and so i think that there is a reality in which this could happen i'm sure that rule is pushing for it big time because he needs a quarterback that he can hang his hat on if you him or pick it i'll make that clear would that wouldn't shock me either i don't believe because of the ceiling right I'd have a hard time thinking Pickett's going to go six, but I mean, I do. I, yeah. Quarterback's going to be on the table for Carolina, and you know, unfortunately, I think there's a reason why Carolina was the first team that we heard that was out of the Deshaun Watson race, and it's because it's it's not really a great situation. They don't have a good offensive line. Their head coach might not be there in a year. Uh, there's just a lot of instability that's going on with that team. Is that a really good place for Malik Willis? I don't think so. And I think that you probably don't would agree with me there that, yeah. that they that the the actual landing spot if this were to happen is probably not a great spot because like you mentioned, they have Sam Darnold and they're paying him on his fifth year option. So you're paying him anyway, so they're probably gonna start him a little bit. But unfortunately, man, you know Sam Darnold. I know Sam yeah. Darnold. Everybody knows Sam All Darnold. All too well. Sam Darnold's not gonna be playing well, and Malik Willis is gonna be starting by week five. And so it, 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 it's yeah. not like we're really in a better situation just because he missed the first four weeks and they trotted Darnold out there. So it would be a really tough spot, but I don't think it's out of the question. Given what I know about Carolina, given what I know about how highly the league believes in Malik Willis as the QB1 in this draft, it seems, I think that there is a reality where he goes number six. What are Here's the thing, Trevor. Are they going to be bad enough this year and – that they're going to be picking top two. I say no. I don't think so. I think they have a lot of good players on that roster. They have offensive skill talent. They've tried to make the offensive line a little better recently. They, as not great as Darnold is, he will go out and and do enough to get you by for a couple games. They have young defensive talent. They do play hard under Matt Rule. You have to give them that. I just... For me, and yeah, you can say, okay, they'll make a godfather offer in 23 and they'll go up and get C.J. Stroud. Like, this regime might not get the chance to do that. Mm -hmm. And at some point, you need to have the self-awareness to go, am I going to go to the Battle of 300, my last stand, with (laughs) Sam Darnold next to me, or am I going to try something else? Right, right. What are you going to do? Is he going to be Leonidas, pick up the shield and the spear? I don't know. I don't know, man. I, and I, die I just anyway? Probably. I right, right. Probably. And that's basically... That's, but at know. least you gave it a shot. Well, you didn't just lay over. Wait, spoiler alert for everybody who hasn't seen that. Oh, my God. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> what's the... All right, what's the spoiler rule on shows and movies? How much time? Dude, you watched Game of Thrones like 14 years after it came out. <laughs> it, wasn't four, it wasn't 14 years. It was two years and after the finale. And you live tweeted it. That was such a good bit. Such a good bit. Like, bro, I would like check. I'd be like, oh, I love that episode. You'd have it. It was like 90 years after the show came out and he's live tweeting it. Really good. It was good. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like it kind of, it's different for how popular the show or movie is, obviously. But like 300, look, man, it's been out a while. If you haven't seen 300, you're probably not going to watch it. It's also history. That's true, too. That's true, too. It's not just, it's not made up. Whoa, whoa. Maybe History. hyperbole, but whoa. it's not made up. History right. book. History book. Spoiler alert, please. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right, so the New York Giants at number seven. Uh, I took Evan Neal for them at number five. I think that's going to be a he- heavy target for them. And they realized that the real, the 
reason that I believe that they would go offensive line at number five instead of an edge rusher, which they would also need, is because I think that there's a chance that they believe that Carolina could take an offensive tackle. So they maybe want their pick of whoever is left at that point, which I think makes logical sense. And I believe that they think there's going to be at least one of the two edge rushers that are still on the board, still on the board. And that is Kayvon Thibodeau and Jermaine Johnson. Those are the two guys that I think they're going to be debating between. I'm going to go Jermaine Johnson here. I think he's going to be a little bit more of Joe Shane's type. Um, I think that as a heavy-handed defensive end who can be more of a power profile player, I think that's just the kind of guys that Joe Shane was a part of drafting when they were in Buffalo, at least when I look at the defensive line, I know, I know Ed Oliver was an undersized defensive lineman, but outside of Ed Oliver, who I think was kind of a unique situation, I feel as though the player prototype of Jermaine Johnson, just having a little bit more strength to his game is going to play into the history of what Joe Shane did under Brandon Bean and with Sean McDermott in Buffalo now as the GM of the New York giants. And so I think they're going to lean a little bit more towards Jermaine Johnson. I think that's an area which they're going to, want to address not just as as one edge position but potentially be able to use him inside and out and i think he gives you that ability and that flexibility so i think it's back-to-back trench picks for them i'd have been tempted by sauce garner the corner but they haven't released james bradbury yet we were told that they were gonna release james bradbury and they still got james right maybe it's coming maybe we kind of want some compensation in the next couple of weeks maybe it's different but as of right now they still got james bradbury and I'd rather upgrade in both the trenches if I'm the New York Giants. So there we go. I'm going Jermaine Johnson's step. Yeah, I'll back up your point further. You went with the, this is what the new guys from Buffalo would do. I also think the coaching staff would do this. When you look at Jermaine Johnson, the number to know for me is the 1.55 10-yard split. That is a 97th percentile number. Basically, your get off the ball. Uh, last year, so their defensive coordinator of the Giants is Wink Martindale, who came from Baltimore, who last year dra- drafted Adafe Owe, uh, who had a 1.59 10-yard mm. split. That is an 87th percentile. That's a really, really good number. They like athletes that can get off the snap. Yep. And, and then, obviously, uh, my player comp for Jermaine Johnson was Matt Judon. We know the player Judon developed there into go. under Wink. So trying to figure out player types. Great call, Trevor. That's that's a great pairing for the Giants. Eight, the Falcons. Uh, you don't need to do rocket science for this one. The Falcons, just Google the wide receiver depth chart. Oh, my goodness. So we're going Garrett Wilson here. I think he's he looks like a a faster version of Calvin Ridley to me who obviously they are without now so it is a little ironic that that's the route they go here but high floor gets open uh really good at the catch point just reliable for them I really like the pairing of Garrett Wilson and Kyle Pitts in their offense and I really think they are just forced in the spot uh to not look anywhere else I think it has to be wide receiver for the Falcons at eight yeah I mean all of the roster needs are still there for Atlanta could offensive line upgrades? Yeah, they could pass use rusher. Pass rusher, yes. They could Corner? take Kayvon yes. here. Yep. Like, all of this is still available for the Falcons, but at the end of the day, man, their top four wide receivers, as it stands right now, are, oh, wow, I was about to say Tajay Sharp, start with Tajay Sharp, but he's even a free agent, so he's not in it. Olamade nope. Zacchaeus, Frank Darby, Christian Blake, Chad Hansen, <laughs> Braden Linus, Austin Trammell, like the, 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 I just read their entire depth chart right there. That is their entire depth chart. I don't even know if there's a wide receiver three or four in that group, let alone a one or a two. And this is kind of the nightmare scenario. And it's not exactly Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith's fault. They didn't anticipate Calvin Ridley 
betting on games and getting suspended for an entire season. I think that if they weren't going to be with, if they were going to be without Calvin Ridley, they probably thought it was going to be a trade, right? Because he stepped away in the middle of the year. He was going through some mental health things and he just, he just, he said he needed to step away and they respected that. And it seemed like he wasn't going to be back in Atlanta. So I figured at least they were going to get a trade for him, maybe a different wide receiver or another high draft pick to be able to replace him. But instead he gets suspended for all of next season. So they don't even get anything for him. And I'm sure they didn't anticipate Tom Brady personally calling Russell Gage and luring him down to Tampa Bay. What do you do at that point? You go to Tampa Bay. Tom Brady Brady calls you and tells you to come down to Tampa Bay. You know what you do? Come down to Tampa Bay. It's like your wife leaving you for Leonardo DiCaprio. Like, there's just nothing you could could have done. Sure, right. Yeah. Chris Evans. The hell? uh, Henry Cavill. It doesn't matter. Like, I'm just going to, you know, I don't know what to do. I've, lo- I've lost here. I need to now at eight need to find a new wife. It's <laughs> Gary Wilson. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Falcons find a new wife at eight. Uh, going with Gary Wilson. I think that that obviously makes a lot of sense. You you want to go into the NFL draft and be able to address a lot of needs so that you don't be forced into taking a certain position. And unfortunately for yeah. the Falcons, they're in the exact opposite. They have to pick a wide receiver. But good news is Gary Wilson's a damn good one. See, yeah, really at one. nine. Uh, I'm going to go Kayvon Thibodeau. This is where Kayvon Thibodeau comes off the board. This is a very common place for him to come off the board. Obviously, West Coast guy gets to stay on the West Coast, gets to go to Seattle, which we know loves their athletes, loves their fast pass rushers. Um, I think that they're they're going to be absolutely great with Thibodeau if he yeah. falls to nine. And I think that this is probably – I don't want to say the floor because there's a chance that – who knows what's happening with Seattle, um, especially with their quarterback situation. I believe Willis is still on the board. Are they drafting a different quarterback there? You don't exactly know what's happening in that situation, so everything's up in the air. But this feels pretty close to the four floor for Kayvon. If he's not going four to the Jets or something like that, then I think this is probably the tail end of his range of where his talent certainly deserves to go. If he goes beyond this, man, it gets it. It's starting to get crazy. Somebody's going to get an yeah. absolute steal of a pass rusher. So I'll have Seattle take Kayvon Thibodeau here at nine. Yeah, I think the Jets, Falcons, and then Seahawks is is the landing spots that have a chance for Thibodeau. And I agree with you that if he does make it to Seattle, which we definitely think he could, they almost have to make this pick. You just look at their front right now, and they're just they're working with nothing. They need guys that can get off the ball and get after the quarterback and win with speed to power. And that's what Thibodeau can come in and do. So that's just a no-brainer, that spot. Number 10, the New York Jets to round out this top 10. Uh, they got a Quanu at 4 the problem here is for them, the pass rushers are gone. Hutchinson, Jermaine Johnson, and Thibodeau all went, so the Jets would have to look in round two or trade back into round one and get some more pass rush help. But at this spot, I'm going to go wide receiver. I don't see how they pass wide receiver at 10. I, I just look at it and go, yes, Corey Davis will come back healthy. You have Elijah Moore. You brought back Braxton Berrios, but you still need somebody else out there for Zach Wilson to throw to. And in this spot, I, I think it would be Drake London. Garrett Wilson is gone at eight, so that wipes off a, a very, very in-play option. Um, and then you look at it, you know, Traylon Burks, obviously, if he had a little bit better of a combine, maybe he'd be in this conversation. Jamison Williams, if he was healthy, would definitely be in this conversation. Uh, but when you look at what Zach Wilson does, giving his wide receivers a chance, Drake London, the contested catches, the blocking, uh, what he can even do after the catch a little bit, I think this would really help that wide receiver core where you roll it out and you've got Corey Davis and Drake London on the outside, Elijah Moore on the inside that can also flex out, and they sign two tight ends as well. Now your offense is cooking a little bit. 
you know, I was on uh, Paul Eston's podcast actually earlier this week, and he was asking me about wide receiver for the Jets at number 10. And I, I talked about Drake London because you and I have talked about him a lot there as a really good spot. And, and an example that I kind of gave to him and why I think that he would be great for the Jets is, you know, I'm not comparing Drake London to Mike Evans. I think that Mike Evans sure. truly is rare. So I'm not like one in one comp comparing those two. But when you remember what, what Johnny Manziel and, and Mike Evans were like at Texas A&M, Johnny Manziel had so much confidence for a lot of reasons. Obviously, he was a very confident quarterback anyways, but he had so much confidence because sometimes he would just throw that ball up there to yep. Mike Evans and he'd come down with it. And you know what that does to your confidence as a quarterback? When, Loose. it, when, loosen when, up. It, when it goes right, you loosen up, you play free, you have confidence in anywhere you're throwing the ball at that point. And that could be Zach Wilson to me, yes. man. On a, on, a, on a third and seven, gotta have it, kind of continuing the drive late in the second quarter, Oops, defensive end hits an inside move on the offensive tackle. You get flushed. You're going to your right. Uh, it's third it down. Go. I need to, I'm throwing it to Drake London. And even though he's, he might be a little bit covered, if he comes down with that bad boy and we keep this, this drive going, that is a massive confidence booster for everything. And I think that that goes into the equation for me. So yes, even, even right. the people out there who would say, he doesn't separate as well as some of these other wide receivers. You're right. I don't think but it's But that's getting annoying. Because because let me say this, he has just enough speed that when the ball is in the air, the DB is making the adjustment and it's too late because of his size and ball skills. And that, in a way, is separation because you are this whole the DB needs to be off the screen like it's flag football is is just wrong. It's just yep. not right. Yep. So I, that talking point. Is getting very old very fast. We're we're reaching that part of the draft where people just keep bringing up that talking point about Drake yes. London, and I'm like, I I understand why people are hesitant about it, but I think Drake sure. London is different. I really do. I think he's it's a different kind of wide him. receiver. And it's I not he, it's not ability with him. He, it's health. He, he would be huge. He would be huge for Zach Wilson and that Jets offense. Okay, that was the uh, that was the top ten. A little recap: We had Aiden Hutchinson going to the Jaguars, Kyle Hamilton going to the Lions, Trayvon Walker going to the Texans, Iki Aquanu the Jets at four, Giants got Evan Neal at five, Malik Willis went six to the Panthers, Jermaine Johnson seven to the Giants, uh, Gary Wilson eight to the Falcons, Kevon Thibodeau nine to the Seahawks, and then Drake London just went ten to the New York Jets. Before we keep this mock draft rolling, got to talk to you guys about all twenty-two. Our friends over at All Twenty Two are unveiling the newest fantasy football game that hundreds of PFF employees have been playing. You use All Twenty-Two, and they'll use PFF's weekly grades as a main scoring component to build. Basically, essentially, it's a fantasy football game combined with like a Madden franchise where you are you are drafting you are building a full team and then you are going head to head against somebody just like fantasy football every week except it's not based off stats it's based off actual performance so it's a really cool concept join the waitlist today all-22.com with nothing more than your email if you join the waitlist before the draft you're going to receive a special promo code and you'll get that all 22 subscription waitlist users will even gain access to premium content like the inaugural draft guide in-season strategies feature release announcements and so much more follow them at all 22 dash pff on twitter all 22 it is premium fantasy football full team fantasy football powered by pff i'm up at 11 so i'll resume it here washington commanders traded for carson wentz so i guess quarterback is off the table oddly enough 
wide receivers, two wide receivers going right before 11 does not bode well for the commanders. Drake London and Garrett Wilson off the board. They could go Traylon Burks if they are that interested in him. I think he is going to be an option here, but I also think Ahmad Garner, Ahmad Sauce Garner is going to be a big time option for them. I know they've got Kendall Fuller. I know they've got William Jackson, but do they consider either of those guys to be locked down CB1s for the foreseeable future? I'm not sure. Ahmad Garner brings that unique size, speed, profile he really fills out a mock draftable spider graph i'll tell you man that with, with how big this guy is and how well he moves man, the stats back it up man you look at some premium stats that we've got over at pff didn't allow a single touchdown in man coverage his entire career at cincinnati that's over a thousand coverage snaps did not allow a single touchdown so i mean he's an impressive dude now does that mean he's a perfect player am i calling him the next Darrell revis no but it means he's damn good and i think he's got that cb1 potential in the nfl so i'm gonna have him going here a little bit of a different look but i'll have him going here at 11 for the commanders not a pick we've seen a lot but i do like it a lot because of how the wide receiver board not fall into their hands and he's just too talented to fall to fall that far at 11 and uh, would help that defense, especially if that front four can stay healthy and get home. Might make some plays on the ball as well. He didn't get a lot of looks this year in college. Number 12, the Minnesota Vikings. They need corner help. They would take Sauce here at 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not there. He probably won't be there in the draft. They'll have to go get him if they want him. So they'll swing for the fences here and take Derek Stingley. And, and with Stingley, it's all going to be about where the medicals are at, if he yep. can test, and how teams are confident in that. But for the Vikings... I do think they'll take a swing in this spot if they are okay with the medical information. Because, Trevor, if if it's no sauce and no Stingley here, I mean, maybe McDuffie, but this is a team that has to secure a top corner. They are so thin in their defensive backfield right now. I just don't know if they're going to be interested in McDuffie. I, 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 I love McDuffie. So. I, you, I know you do, too. Like I do. I, I, I love just, him, but not their type. I just I, Even with the new regime coming in, yeah, I don't still. know if a... I don't I we've we've said this so many times in this podcast when I say analytically driven I don't mean it to say that the front office doesn't think about like the real like football side of things because so they do. have thresholds but what it is. I think they're gonna have thresholds and I think most importantly they're not gonna draft a player that they already think has limitations if Trent McDuffie has sub 30 inch arms and they want to play this guy on the outside, then they're playing against the math. They're playing against the percentiles. They're playing against the percentages. And I just don't think that Kevin O'Connell and um, Quincy Adafo Mesa are are going to do that with the first premium pick that they have had as a decision-making group. That's, that's kind of my thoughts there. I also thought this would have been a sneaky spot for Ojabo, but Torn Achilles, obviously that, yeah, a healthy Ajabo would would be in play in this spot, and and it sucks. We're you know obviously really rooting for Ajabo already were, but now I really hope that you know he can get on the field as a rookie and because he could be he could be a special player. We'll talk about Ojabo a lot more. Uh, yeah. at the at the he's not the making podcast, he's not falling out of round one. Let me no, make that very no, no, clear no. to and people I, right I, now. I do not think that he should. Houston Texans up again at number thirteen. I had them going Trayvon Walker at number three here at thirteen. You know I talked about the Atlanta Falcons wide receiver room not looking great. I mean, when you look at the Houston Texans, you got Brandon Cooks, who's good, who's fine. Neil Collins, okay. And then Chris Conley, Phil Dorsett, uh, Chris Moore, Davion Davis, Jalen Camp. I mean, it's just, it, it, it's a lot of guys that are fill out a depth chart kind of guys. And I'm going to, I'm going to have Traylon Burks going here because I think that Burks is going to be that kind of all around weapon that they really need a player who could be an inside out wide receiver, a player who you could use on reverses, shoot, you could use them out of the backfield at times. He is a mismatch kind of, potential player and i think that connor is right i mean 
if he would have tested a little bit better at the combine, maybe we're talking about him as a top 10 pick, but it's funny because I, I thought his numbers at the combine were fine. We, we just, yeah. we were, oh, we yeah. were way Especially overhyping what he was going to do going into the, into, yeah. the, into the week. So I think that he's still going to be a top 20 pick and I think Houston's going to have their eyes on him here at 13. And that goes back to the Casario coming from New England, want to be bigger, stronger, faster than everyone else. And, and Burks fits that mold. And they're just an offense that doesn't scare you at all. And at some point, you got to get right. guys that threaten. And Burks, absolutely, when you look at what he's done in the SEC, he is that dude that always threatens. All right, 14, the Baltimore Ravens. They've lost a lot, obviously, in free agency. They did make some nice additions. I'm going to go Jordan Davis in this spot. Get a big, nice. hulking dude in the middle. They they do have you know an open spot for this role for him in the middle of the defense. The space he can eat, the room he can give this defense. Uh, Jordan Davis, I think what he did at the Combine kind of solidified his top 17 status, we've been calling it. The Ravens at 14, man, he, he would be a force up front for that front and really give everybody else a lot of room to work with. Yep. I mean, when you look at the Ravens depth chart, yeah, they brought in Michael Pierce. And I think that that probably goes into it, but Brandon Williams, Calais Campbell, Justin Houston, Brunel McPhee, Justin Ellis, all these dudes are free agents that have not been brought back yet. So there are plenty of spaces that Jordan Davis could fill with that Baltimore Ravens team. And we say this so many times, but I mean, the dude feels like a Baltimore. He, he really, mean, does. Was, he really does. He really does. Davis 99 in a purple Raiders or Ravens jersey just feels right. It just feels it, right. It really looks does. right, feels right. I I do think this is a direction they would look to. The top two corners are gone. We we've talked about how sneaky wide receiver for them is here. Three are already gone. They need defensive line help. You get, in my opinion, the the top defensive lineman in this draft. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles now at number 15. That's their first of three picks that they have between 15 and 19. I'm going to go with Jordan Davis's Georgia teammate, Devontae Wyatt, a player who I absolutely love, who is quite literally playing in Jordan Davis's shadow, but it, it, it just it felt like Devontae Wyatt was a first-rounder right next to another first-rounder all year long, man. I mean, he is not as big as Jordan Davis was, so it wasn't as eye-popping, but the dude can move. He is such a prototypical one one gap penetrating pass rush three technique defensive tackle and yep. any team that is playing any kind of four three base defense i think is going to absolutely love Devonte wyatt now fletcher cox got released and then the eagles are planning to bring them back so i think fletcher cox is obviously going to be there and he's going to be in the rotation but it's from what i was told from eagles people who i asked about it when fletcher cox was being released it's like hey how much does he have left in the tank they're like he's still got something in the tank it's just more of a you want him kind of on a rotation thing you don't want him out there every single snap so i think that drafting Devonte wyatt's perfect you get him in that rotation there javon hargrave is there as well and so it's a really nice interior defensive line there for the philadelphia eagles and as cox kind of starts to play less and less snaps wyatt plays more there you go perfect transition yeah, Fletcher Cox back on a one-year deal, you know, that can max out around 14 mil. So it's that means it's time for to look for the next guy up after him. And Wyatt really fits that bill. I like what he could do as a pass rusher. That that gives him a little bit more juice at times than his teammate in Jordan Davis. Eagles back on the clock again, picking back-to-back 15 and 16. I'm going Jamison Williams. I'm looking at, uh, you look at the wide receiver depth chart, it's clear this is a need. I also think they need speed at wide receiver. I think they need somebody that can start clearing out some space, win down the field, 
we've already we know you know it would be really exciting to watch him with uh Devontae smith i think they complement each other very very well obviously jameson a one-year breakout but would have ran sub four three will be healthy enough to impact their season this year so for the eagles now you know they've had their misses at wide receiver over the years but this is a chance to get it right and, and roll forward for a long time with the jameson and Devontae smith pairing we got the Los Angeles Chargers now at number 17. And with Jordan Davis off the board, we've often had Jordan Davis go to them. Instead, we get to switch it up with a name that they don't often get to pick. But holy cow, it feels like it'd be an absolute home run for them. Charles Cross is still on the board. Offensive tackle Charles Cross, who we've often had going number six to Carolina. Carolina in this mock draft takes Malik Willis. Charles Cross sliding a bit down the draft. And if he makes it to the Chargers at 17, it'd be absolutely perfect for him. They moved on from Brian Bulaga. They thought that was going to be a fantastic signing for him as a right tackle. He just has not been healthy. Rayshon Slater has been a home run as a left tackle player for them last year in his rookie year. And though Charles Cross has not played right tackle before, you could try him out at right tackle. If he doesn't work, there's the possibility that you can move him to left tackle because Slater is so good and has played right tackle before you might be able to get away with it. So I think there exists a combination somewhere in there of these two guys at left and right tackle where you have two really great young offensive tackles playing really, really well. And then the interior for the chargers is a lot better thanks to last off seasons moves. And so when you pair that with what they've been able to do this year, going out and getting Khalil Mack, you know, like just getting JC Jackson upgrading so much, all of a sudden, if they can handle their bookend tackles, Chargers are scary, man. Chargers are scary. They're not living in the Chiefs' shadow anymore. Of course, they've got to go out and prove it. I know, I know. But the roster on paper becomes one of the best in the NFL, and I'd absolutely love to see it. So I'm going to go Charles Cross here at 17. All right, 18, the Saints are on the clock, and this pick comes with the caveat that I think they should bring back Jameis Winston. I think they will bring back Jameis Winston okay. and kind of kick that quarterback can down the road a little bit longer. And I'm going to go with Chris Alave here. I've said it before. They were all over the wide receiver class last year. Uh, they decided to take Peyton Turner instead. They will be back on the wide receiver class this year. And I keep saying it. You better do it while you can because there's going to be a run that goes all the way to maybe even the Packers at 22 of mm -hmm. wide receivers. So the Saints don't mess around here. They take Alave, uh, can win at all three levels of the field. Super pro ready. He's been a productive college player for a long time right now. A really high IQ player would come in and, and you know, if Michael Thomas is back, he'd be the the number two instantly and really produce, especially if you have Jameis back there where you're going to be a pass-heavy kind of offense. Uh, for the Saints, this is a mix of need and BPA in this situation, and I think it's one that they are very aware needs to improve on their roster. We got five wide receivers in the top 18. Not crazy. Five. Five. And the first one didn't even come off the board till eight. We got five wide receivers from eight to, to eighteen. Run. In ten picks, man. That's eight to I twenty two. Mean, it's I gonna happen. I'm, I agree with you, man. I think that that's the big time sweet spot there. Eagles at nineteen. We'll go cornerback Trent McDuffie. I think that this is a guy who's going to be heavily on their radar. They've got Darius Slay. They've got Amante Maddox, but I think they'd still need cornerback help. You know, if there's any team in the NFL that it feels like is okay with taking a chance on talented corners with small arm length, it is the Philadelphia Eagles. And I think that, sure, maybe they would like a longer corner, but I think that they would take Trent McDuffie over Kyir Elam, uh, over Andrew Booth, over the guys that are left. I think that they would probably prefer Derek Stingley or Ahmad Sauce Garner, but I don't think they'd be too, doing too much complaining, especially for how versatile Trent McDuffie is. Um, 
how much it, how easy it is to love his game. He's got such great physicality, subtle physicality and coverage, and then a lot of really nice physicality when it comes to uh, how he is in run support. I think he can be an inside-out player. Has not played in the slot nearly as much as you might think, but yeah, he has also rotated and played a little bit of safety too, so that goes into his versatile tag. So I think that they would wait a little bit, a corner pick, unless it's Stingley. Stingley, I think, being on the board at 15, they'd probably pick him there, but... If not, I think they can wait a little bit and maybe make this decision here at 19. I think that McDuffie's going to be on their board, and I think he's a good pick for him. McDuffie, currently a, a top 15 player for me right now. So 19 for the Eagles, awesome value. I'd be right at number 14. 20, the Steelers. Every mock draft, I say they're going to have to move from here to get a quarterback, and here they are not moving again and getting a quarterback. Kenny Pickett. <laughs> so maybe they don't have to move when maybe all is said and done. Maybe they don't have to. Great for the Steelers. I know everybody's connected them to Malik Willis, and, and I'm not saying that's not real. It definitely is. But I also think Pickett needs to be in play. The Trubisky contract structure tells you they are still looking at the quarterback market in the draft. Maybe Trubisky starts. They let their rookie sit for a little bit. If Pickett makes it to 20, Trevor, I would be really surprised if they pass on him. I think it gives them a chance without mortgaging any other assets to take a shot at getting this position back on track after Roethlisberger obviously is retired. So for the Steelers here, and they, they did quietly make some improvements for a tattered offensive line during free agency, which kind of opened the door here for them to pass on that mm -hmm. and look for their quarterback of the future. Yeah, I, I think that they're going to be all in for Malik Willis. I think that we've heard that from multiple sources now that they really do like Malik Willis a lot. But if Malik Willis would go super early. Like, you know, like if Malik goes number two overall, obviously that dream is dead early. Yeah, and done. so maybe the Pittsburgh Steelers really feel comfortable enough to sit back and wait at 20 and see what kind of comes to them. And if that's the case, maybe they do have the chance to pick a guy like Kenny Pickett. Maybe they got like a guy like Sam Howell as well. And, and maybe it's just going to be a quarterback pick here at 20, no matter what. It'll just be a guy that they, like you said, can kind of take a chance on, wait a little bit, have Trubisky as well, see who wins a quarterback camp battle and, maybe get more aggressive for a quarterback the following year, but we can see. So I agree though. I think the quarterback is firmly on the radar there. New England Patriots, they lost JC Jackson. This one's easy. And Kyrie Elam for him. Kyrie Elam, the, the only real question mark with him from a scouting profile standpoint was long speed. And he showed up four, three, nine, 40 yard dash at the combine. I think that was huge for him being a bigger, longer corner, being able to have that long speed to him. Now he's a little bit slow to flip the hips just because he is high waisted. He is longer. It's just, physically that's more difficult to do when you've got a longer body frame and so you do see that a little bit with how he is guarding players who are either very quick off the line of scrimmage or just doing in breaking routes whether it's quick stuff like drags and digs or maybe inside slants or just in routes uh five ten yards down the field whatever it is anything that has like an, a hard in breaking route you see him be a little bit slow to flip the hips but he is physical he loves man coverage, and he does not back down from a challenge. And I think that's something that the Patriots really need, especially with a thin cornerback group now with J.C. Jackson out. I agree. I know we've had him in round one on this show for a couple of weeks now, I believe. But Kyer Elam, for whatever reason, might be the guy that a lot of people are missing as a first-round player right now. And when you look at the track record of a corner that's you know over six foot one. Um, and runs sub 440 and has that kind of tape, those guys traditionally do not make it out of the first round. So right. we've been all over Elam. The Patriots are a, a corner is a vital, vital position in their offense. Obviously, that opens the door with Jackson leaving. 
I think Elam's a really good fit. He is a true press man-to-man corner. 22, the Green Bay Packers. The wide receiver run came and went. And listen, Packers fans, I, I know you want a wide receiver. You need a wide receiver. And we're going to get there eventually. Uh, but in this spot, I'm going with Zion Johnson. I still think this offensive line has holes. Nice. I think Zion has the versatility that they would really like. He's going to play guard for the Packers. He's You know, Jenkins is going to move to right tackle. Uh, in this scenario, Zion Johnson will play left guard. And that is a foundation of the roster that they are always going to take care of, both sides of the ball, the trenches. And Zion is worth every bit of a top 25 pick rather than the Packers reaching a little on a wide receiver in this spot. Yep, I, I I know a lot of people are going to say, okay, well, what wide receiver are you drafting at 22 to make up for Devontae Adams? But uh, there's not a great one left. We just mentioned we had five of them go off the board between 8 and 18. And it's just, you know, you'd be reaching for one at 22, and I think that their money could be better spent, yeah, moving Elton Jenkins out to right tackle and addressing Zion Johnson with one of those interior spots. I think that's a really great move, and I think that that's something they're definitely going to have their eye on. Arizona Cardinals at 23 couple different directions they could go. Certainly offensive line is an area that they might have to address. But with losing Chandler Jones, man, that, that defensive line, it's just it's it's not super impressive right now. Regression I mean, alert. We said it when, during the prep show, the show you, before the show. You are we can right, start a man. second podcast instead of the stock exchange, just the show before the show. Just, yeah, re- just regression just, alert. Just release the early show on like a Patreon or something. Everybody just wants to hear our raw, unfiltered thoughts of just spitballing ideas. Uh, yeah, you look at their defensive line Zach Allen, JJ Watt, Devin Kennard, Marcus Golden. They've got Victor Dubakej as well, but she's not a lot of pop. It's just not. It's not a lot that's really standing out to you. And I think that you got to be able to get after the pass room without Chandler Jones. It's going to be huge for him. So I'm going to go George Karloff this year. George Karloff. Speaking of not a lot of pop. No, well, I'm just kidding. I'm not, just kidding. That's not true. I'm just kidding. He's fine. No, He's a fine player. I think the back end of the first round is a lot more believable at this point than front end of the first round where we sometimes had him yeah. going in the top 10. It seems like he's just kind of settling in this. 20 mid 20s range and so i think this is a really this is a good spot for him this is a good spot to take a chance on him and arizona really needs it so with him being there he can be a little bit versatile for you especially in that multiple three four front that arizona likes to run i think this is a good pick and i'm gonna go george karloff this is 23 yeah I, I think it makes sense and that's a huge need for them and it helps their run defense right away it gives them a little bit you know high effort pass rusher and I know it's cliche, but obviously Watt would be a great player for Karloftis to learn from with the way they're it's moved true. around, the hand usage, the body type. Um, that would be a really good landing spot for him as well. 24, the Cowboys. Uh, sorry, Cowboys fans, if we're putting you to sleep with this pick. I, I am responsible. I keep putting you to sleep with this pick. But Kenyon Green just makes the most sense to me. I, obviously, me I, it's, a, it's a need for them as we sit here and do this show, and Lyle Collins goes to the Bengals. The Cowboys have had some holes open up on their offensive line. Kenyon Green has played left guard, left uh, right guard, right tackle, left tackle. Uh, obviously, local-ish kind of guy they will be hyper-aware of. And Kenyon Green is a damn good player, especially a guard. I don't love him at tackle, Trevor, uh, but in this situation, he is going to a team to be a guard. And quite frankly, he's one of the best players on the board in this scenario. Other player I'm tempted to take here. I mean, Trevor Penning is still on the board, so I think that Dallas might be tempted by Trevor Penning. But 
Tyler Smith from Tulsa is somebody who oh, I can get behind that actually gives you that decent guard to tackle flexibility that Kenny Green also gives you. But do you think like I, I just wonder, do some teams think that Tyler Smith has a higher ceiling than Kenny Green does? And if that's the case, I think the versatility is somewhat similar. And I, I would be just just keep an eye on it. Just just keep an eye on him maybe being a target for the Dallas Cowboys at the back end of the first round uh buffalo bills at 25 i've often had a defensive lineman go to them but after getting tim settle and daquan jones and von miller they still have ed oliver they've got uh, randy gregory uh aj epinesa boogie basham they drafted last year as well like so they've got right yeah they've got so many (laughs) defensive linemen that i just don't think that's gonna be where they look anymore i'm gonna go andrew booth the cornerback from clemson i think he's a bigger longer athletic corner who he's a little bit undisciplined I, you know, he's a little bit unbalanced it seems yeah. quite literally like sometimes he's just literally falling over sometimes his uh his chest gets ahead of his feet a little bit but you know when he kind of settles into his abilities and how good he could be and he gets to year two and year three in the league i think he's gonna be really really good and you put on him on one side uh tredavious white on the other especially with um jordan poirier and micah hyde behind him as one of the best safety duos in the league now we're talking especially with the buffalo bills losing to levi wallace i think this is a pretty 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 good cornerback bet here at the back end of the first round unless the well has gone that dry which it hasn't here andrew boost a good pick so he's he's gonna be the guy yeah has the versatility to play zone we know how zone heavy they are uh, yep. they are a true defense like what you see is what you get this is who we are this is what we're gonna do you know try to score on us and a lot of teams don't so all right the 20 26th tennessee titans this this pick was a layup tyler smith speaking of him you talked about the cowboys mm. at 24 there we go uh, we we have him to the titans at 26 they have a massive hole on their offensive line. Tyler Smith can come in, be your starting right tackle. Nasty, nasty mauler in the run game. We know how important that is to them, and he's going to fit that Vrabel identity that they love. If you are making a mock draft and you don't have Tyler Smith in round one, I think you're missing. I think you're missing it, man. I think, number one, I like him a lot better than both Penning and Raymond. Um, I know there is some hand usage that needs to be cleaned up with tyler smith he is a bit of a you know that bull in a you know china shop kind of wrecking crew mentality uh but when a offensive line coach really gets to work with him there is potential to be special there and i think this landing spot fits the type of game he plays as well as a pure road grading blocker yeah and he's only been playing offensive line for technically five years but really four years two years of starting in high school two years of starting at Tulsa and so there's a lot of things that he is still working out with the hand usage and strike timing and just the overall balance the footwork everything but he's a great athlete he's a strong dude he's a he is a relentless finisher he's got a great mentality and he's a really good kid so I, I think the teams are going to be very interested in getting him at the back end of the first round Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 27 Connor and I, we got up to this pick in the mock draft and Connor was like, I'm very interested to see who you pick at 47. And I said, and I said back to him, I'm very interested to see who I figure at 27. Cause I I don't know. I think they're going to bring on Gronkowski back. They've obviously got most of the offensive line figured out the wide receiver room. I mean, like you can't even jokingly take a wide receiver at 27 anymore because it's so deep at this point. Yeah. No, they brought back Carlton Davis. They signed um, Logan Ryan to replace Jordan Whitehead. They've got Dry- Joe Tryon Shoyinka at uh, at the other edge spot. They're loaded. If, if they were going to draft an interior defensive lineman, it would have been more of a penetrating guy, like a Devontae Wyatt or something like that. I don't think they drafted Travis Jones to put next to Vita Vea. 
So it's almost like, what are they doing? So Tyler Linderbaum is still on the board. He's one of the best prospects in this entire draft class. I know Ryan Jensen is back. I know they got Shaq Mason, but plug that other hole at right or left guard with Tyler Linderbaum. Just do it. I don't care that he's undersized. He's a damn good offensive lineman. He's one of the best in this class. This would, on paper, give Tampa one of the best offensive linemen. And it would be really hilarious because it would also mean that Tyler Linderbaum is probably playing right guard. And does, does Shaq play right guard? I can't remember. Uh, I believe so. The show, oh, no, that, that ruins it. That ruins it for me. Hold on, I'm looking up the depth chart to see where he is. I can't remember if he plays left or right. Ah, but, Shaq I mean, plays right. Shaq plays so, right, okay. So Shaq's going to play next to Tristan Wirfs. I was going to say it'd be hilarious because Tyler Linderbaum and Tristan Wirfs, the two Iowa boys who would play next to each other. But uh, Who faced each other in the state finals in wrestling in high school. Yes, and they did. And Linderbaum won. And Linderbaum freaking won. So anyways... Really good offensive lineman, just taking the best player available. I've got Linderbaum to uh, to the Bucks here. I, I've become a big, like, I'm usually not one of those people who gets attached to random background notes. I just find them cool and, and fun to tell the audience. Uh, state champion wrestlers, though, on the offensive line Dude. means, actually, it means something. Iki Aquanu, by the way, if anyone didn't know that one, state champion wrestler. It it really means something. Creed, and you can usually tell without looking it up when you watch them play. Creed That's Humphrey, the funniest thing. one of the best offensive rookies uh, last season wrestling background yeah it's something that i know uh sean mcdermott who i believe never lost a wrestling match when he was in high school Leg- yeah crazy right That's and he nuts. doesn't like ta- he doesn't like talking about it so you have to like really like look deep to find it but he was a uh mcdermott was like a elite elite wrestler it's something that he has amazing i'm pretty sure he has the buffalo scouts like mark that and like high, like it's a big highlight uh, point. dude the core strength the balance the everything yep. man it's so yep. it, if you have that background it's huge because when you think about it when you lock up with a defensive lineman you essentially become in a wrestling match you're trying to pin them you're trying to finish them you're trying to not let them buy you like it becomes a mini wrestling match in the trenches, no doubt yeah so national uh prep champion sean mcdermott so that's mm. yeah it's interesting note with scouting big obviously uh, okay, so you have Linderbaum going to the Bucks. Yep. I would love to sell you on Lewis Seen in that pick, but I'm not going to argue ever against Tyler Linderbaum, who's in my top eight players. I just don't know. I mean, I think it would You're be You're like cool. in the where does he play. Right. I just, Winfield Jr. is not coming off the field. They like Mike Edwards. He's a ball hawk, man. He it's has so true. many turnovers they do like Mike last Edwards. Year. They let Whitehead walk. And they just signed Logan Ryan, who... I know. That's where it changed. Yeah. Right. If they Who didn't have Logan the Ryan, slot. I think Lewisine could have could have been a could have been a target. Must be nice, Trevor. You have everything. What do we buy? The rich man goes to the store and goes, I don't need any of this. I have everything, but I have the money, so I need to make a selection. <laughs> All right, twenty eight Green Bay Packers. Here's your wide receiver Packers fans, Christian Watson. Um I will use this opportunity since everybody's talking so much about how great Watson is. Where if a guy is so and I think I love him. I've liked this player for a long time. I'm glad he's in that first round conversation right now. He's an elite athlete at that size. Love the way he practiced at the senior bowl. I think he needs to play stronger. I, I want to explain that's why he's not a top twenty pick. Instead, he's a fringe first rounder. I think the play strength at six four uh, can improve mm-hmm. playing at the catch point, playing through contact in your routes. So I, I like to tell the audience, okay, like we all we do is talk about how this guy is basically built like in tests like Randy Moss. Here's why he's not a, a lock to go in the top 20. So Watson of the Packers, you can work through those things with the way the offense is constructed, gives them more vertical speed. 
You're not replacing Devontae Adams because there is no replacing Devontae Adams. But now you have a rounded offense and a player that can come in and, and, and give you some juice down the field and honestly looked really good in his intermediate routes at the Senior Bowl. Yeah, I, I think that route running is still a work in progress for Christian Watson. They just didn't, I mean, he just wasn't used super heavily as a wide receiver, like in a traditional sense that he was with that offense. It was very run heavy, kind of like what you were mentioning, kind of the, just the background they came from. So I think the best is yet to come for him, but I also think that that's why I agree with you. He's more of a fringe first rounder than a guaranteed lock for as much as people really love him. And that's not to say like he won't be an incredible pro. I just feel like that's where the NFL is valuing him as more of a, a fringe guy, but yeah. Obviously, huge upside there for him. Miami Dolphins at 29. There have been a lot of mock drafts where we get down to 29. Miami Dolphins need a offensive lineman so bad, and there's just none that are available. Trevor Penning is still on the board here for the Miami Dolphins. I like this a lot better than I do some of the mocks that I have seen and even mocks that I have done with Trevor Penning in the top 12, top 10, just from what I am hearing. I think this is a lot more realistic towards what the prospects profile is of him going 29, being able to play at offensive tackle, maybe kicking Liam Eikenberg inside. So, I think Dolphins get their wish in this mock draft scenario with a couple of offensive tackles on the board. Bernard Raymond is still on the board as well. So they got options at 29. They're going Trevor Penning. I think that that would be the pick for them if he's still there. Yeah, as we sit here, they they need to make an offensive line pick. I think they should pay uh, Teron Armstead, and I know you agree. Ah, uh-huh, yes. They've yeah. not done that, so they, they, it's got to get better on the offensive line. I was watching them uh, recently by accident. Uh, I was watching Jacob Martin after the Jets signed him, and uh, – all of his great Miami by accident. Is that what you said? All his great rushes were against Liam Meikenberg, and I was like, oh, "Man, I okay. knew this was I knew this was a bad unit, but it's it's a really bad unit." Um, so yeah, pay Teron Armstead. All right, thirty. The Chiefs here. David Ajabo, right? This is a chance for the Chiefs to take a guy that needs to rehab, who is going to play his rookie season, but. Most importantly, Trevor, if the Chiefs don't do this, somebody's going to come back in round one to get that fifth-year option on a Jabo. You don't take a hurt developmental guy without the five-year security of having him. Um, I think a Jabo on the Chiefs actually would have a really nice rookie role once he gets healthy, where you're third and longs, so you go that NASCAR package, or you get him on the field and you're saying rush from the outside, we can kick some people inside. Uh, so for a Jabo, this is a nice little luxury pick here for the Chiefs. And the board just didn't break where there's a glaring play. Like, Christian Watson's not available here. That would have been a nice pick for the Chiefs. There's no glaring player. At, you know, people have asked me, like, oh, what if you take a you know a tight end to pair with Kelsey? It's not a round one tight end. So, so mm-hmm. they get the luxury of a little draft and stash with the Jabo here. Yeah, and I think that this is a really great landing spot for him, all things considered. Obviously, oh, yeah. you would have loved for him to go higher because his talent warrants that, and the injury absolutely sucks. Look, some people have also been like, oh, David Ojabo tore his Achilles as well. Look at how quickly like Cam Akers came back. That's not a good comparison. That's kind of crazy. Like the you I'm sure they are shooting for that. Like I'm sure they they would absolutely love that, but don't sit here and think that like every case is gonna be like that. I know medical advances and rehab has been really great and it's getting guys back on track faster, which is great to hear. But this is still a tough injury to get back from and Certainly, we wish Ojabo the absolute best. He's one of the most talented dudes in this class, and we'd love to watch him play. But honestly, it's going to be a great place for Cincinnati, for, uh, oh for the God. Kansas City Chiefs. They've got to get better, and they got to get more juice on the edge. And this yeah. would be perfect for them. And like you said, that fifth-year option is right there. Cincinnati Bengals, 31. They signed Alex Kappa. They signed Ted, Ted Karras to play on the interior offensive line, those two guys. And now most recently, right before we recorded this podcast, they signed Lyle Collins as well to play offensive tackle. Job well done there. 
very much taking the blueprint that the Kansas City Chiefs had and that the Los Angeles Chargers had the previous year of how to overhaul an offensive line in one offseason. Bengals had done a great job of that. Now they turn over to the defensive side of things. I think the linebacker still need needs a big upgrade there. Devin Lloyd is still on the board. I think that they would love Devin Lloyd. I think Nicobe Dean would also be on the board for them, but I think linebacker is really where they're going to look. So I got Devin Lloyd going 31 to the, to the Bengals. <laughs> Him and Logan Wilson, that's a nice linebacker duo in the middle of their field for a long time. And and you brought up N'Kobe Dean. He's not going to make it out of the first round. I have him going 32 to the Detroit Lions in okay. this spot. How crazy, though, Trevor, would it be if Hutchinson did make it to two and then the Lions take a Jabo at 32? And they're just like, yeah, you know what? We'll, we'll reunite these two and run this one back. I know that's a long shot because we think Aiden's going number one. But just something that crossed my mind when Ajaba was falling, falling, falling. And I was like, eh, maybe. But the Lions 32, N'Kobe Dean, uh, they need to get better in the middle of the field. I say that a lot about a lot of teams, but it, it matters no matter how much you value or don't value linebacker position. I, I think they hit on some nice defensive line picks up front last year. And in this draft, they got Kyle Hamilton for the back end. You have Tracy Walker in this scenario. I don't really love a corner for them. The wide receiver board did not break very well for them. Maybe you could take Sky Moore at 34 to still get in that on that or George Pickens. Uh, but at 32, I think N'Kobe Dean, no, no matter how you view his height, that he's not working out, all these different things, the tape is phenomenal. The instincts are phenomenal. Yep. He's that dude for the for the entire defense, yelling at guys, getting guys set. Yep. They're going to love that. I mean, you got Kyle Hamilton and Kobe Dean in the first round if you're the Lions. Your defense went from nah to kind of scary a little bit. Now you have a real identity. You you have dudes that can run around and make plays on the football, guys that lead, guys that are the front-facing guys of your organization. I actually really like this Lions draft. Yeah, no, that's really great and I, and I don't know I don't know where Nicobe Dean goes. I really don't because the taste's phenomenal, but he wouldn't test and I think there's there's a there's a reason why he wouldn't test or else he'd be out there doing it. And I don't think it's an injury yeah. from the from the season. I think that he's probably on the hand timer, I think he's slower than than people believe he is when he's on film. I think his explosiveness scores might not be as good as they want him to be for whatever reason. So, look, I mean, like, there's a reason the guy's not testing. But still, it's just a damn good player. And he should be a first-round guy, top 54, sure. Beginning yeah. of the second oh, yeah. round, no doubt about it. And he's just one of the best football players. He, he might be this year's uh, Wusu Koromoa. And I know Wusu Koromoa did have, a, you know, a health flag come up. That's why he fell a little bit. But right. Uh, was phenomenal for the Browns last year. And N'Kobe Dean might be that guy. We're sitting there after the top 40, and we're going, how the hell is this guy still on the board? Someone takes him, and he's one of the best defensive rookies in the NFL. I think there's a good chance that at the end of all this, you're right, we end up looking at N'Kobe Dean as an extra name to add to a draft list that we absolutely love because we would love the picks that they have early on, especially if it's a double-dip pick here with it when you know philadelphia eagles or uh green bay packers or the detroit lions or whatever it is just somebody getting a really good player there there we go that is our updated mock draft post free agency a lot of team needs have changed right there and and um, i think we addressed a lot of them whether it was the signings or where they're going to be looking and I think we're honing in, man. We're getting pretty close, yeah, Connor, on, on having a really good feel for where these guys are starting to go. And obviously, the next couple of weeks, that's only going to get more true as we move forward. 
Yeah, it is. We haven't switched odds and evens yet, which I've kind of liked because I think it's made us a lot better at the picks we've been consistently responsible for. We've seen those draft slots evolve, whether it was a signing or trade, a player stock up or down, a team need that you missed. There's just so much that we've been able to watch evolve there. Some, so maybe down the road we'll flip them. Um, but other than that, you know, we're, we're hoping to get like a, a, a beast in at some point, maybe a three rounder. We'll see. I know we got a lot of special things planned. So this was a much needed mock draft coming off a wild week of NFL free agency and all of the trades that have happened and continue to happen. Yeah, we've been doing a little bit of homework for the odds and the evens, oh figuring out exactly what these teams really need. And honestly, tomorrow, starting with tomorrow's episode, we're going to have an even better idea of what these teams might be honing in on. If you are an old listener of Locked On NFL Draft, you know this series that we are about to kick off. It is the guest mock draft series i'm taking it from that podcast and i'm bringing it to this one because i love doing it i know you guys out there love this so much essentially what the structure is connor and i are going to have three different guests on every single episode to pick for three different teams as we go down a full first round mock draft but it's not done by us we are going to have guests on, either a beat reporter for the team, somebody who just knows it really well. It might be somebody who works for the team as well. We know a lot of team reporters who might get in on it. And essentially, we're going to ask them all about the team, their free agent strategy, where they might be going in the draft, how the last year was, where they think they're going, and ultimately have our guests make a mock draft selection. And we're going to go through all 32 picks one by one, three episodes on every Tuesday and Thursday is the structure we have now. Might have to switch it up a little bit to make sure that we are done right before the draft, but that's what we're going to be doing over the next month. And Connor, I'm going to learn a lot. I know you're going to learn a lot. The people out there listening are going to learn a ton about the details of what these teams have been doing and the strategies that they're going to have going into draft weekend, man. I'm so excited to kick this thing off tomorrow. It's going to be awesome. Uh, you obviously will get to hear some new voices on the show. You know, these people will have insight to what the general managers that they cover are thinking, what they might be looking at, who they've done a lot of homework on. So it's really narrowing in on a way to know every single team's thought process and, and views of the draft. And it might start to alter our mock draft. So I'm excited to get it, get it going, man. And I think people that are not just draft fans, but obviously team-specific fans will we'll just eat this up. This series is a beast. It's definitely an undertaking, but we are going to have some fantastic guests. Connor and I are going to open up the Rolodex of people that we know as deep as we possibly can to give you the best guests, the best information for where we believe, and these people believe their teams are going to go in the 2022 NFL Draft. Thank you for listening to the NFL Stock Exchange. See you guys tomorrow.